guys. Welcome to our next-gen parenting track. Uh, my name is Grace Wade, and I'm the high school director here, joined by Morgan Corum. She's our middle school director, and then Christy McGregor. She's our fourth and fifth grade director. So we are very excited to be with y'all today. So thank y'all for coming out. A full house, for sure. Um, we're going to start with prayer and then some giveaways because that's always fun. If you just came in, go ahead and fill out your name on that sheet of paper and there's an orange bucket. You can come drop it in so you can be in the giveaways. But let's pray and we will get started. Father, we come before you, Lord, and God, we just thank you for how good you are and how gracious you are, Lord. Um, God, I thank you for every single parent that is in this room, Lord. Um, God, if they have a baby up to a senior in high school or older, Lord, um, God, they are walking the line of parenting them, Lord. And we pray that tonight would just be an encouragement for them, God, um, that you would use us to um, pass along any um, just equipment for them in this journey of parenting um, their children to love you um, above all else, Lord. So we give this night over to you and um, just pray that you would be with us in your name. Amen. All right, so we're going to start with our first giveaway. So, Christy, what are what is our first giveaway? Awesome. Okay, so TechWise Family is the first one. Everyone put their name in. Oh, 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 we got one right over here. Awesome. Morgan, pull our first name. Who we got? That's a good drum roll. Well done. Woohoo! Ashley, you won the TechWise family. Oh, that is good. That's a good one. All right, let's go another one. I mean, we can do another drum roll if you want. <laughs> oh. All right, what do we win? Ah, things I wish I knew before my child became a teenager. Do you have younger children? Older? See, you got it down. This should be helpful. <laughs> All right, and then we'll do one more giveaway. So one last drum roll. <laughs> Table up front is helping. That's good. <gasps> Yay! <gasps> this was a good theme. What do we win back here? Ooh, conversation cards. Those are very helpful. Um, I think all those in our bookstore downstairs. Um, there is a lot of books at your tables. Um, feel free to look over them. There is more in the back. All of those are recommendations from Jay, our next-gen pastor, from screens and teens to budgeting um, to sexuality to a lot of different things. Um, so feel free to look through some of those books. Um, but I want to see who is in the room tonight. So if you have, we'll start with a high schooler, raise your hand. Okay, quite a few, few of y'all. If you have a middle schooler, raise your hand. Bless you and Morgan and Corey. <laughs> um, if you have a fourth and fifth grader, raise your hand. Yeah, I got a lot of kids. Um, <laughs> if you have a first or third grader, raise your hand. Y'all really do have a lot of kids. Okay, if you have a five-year-old or younger, raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So a lot of different um, stages of life in 
the room today. And so I know we're going to talk about relationships tonight. And so um, Morgan, Christy, and myself are going to hit three main topics um, of relationships. And so that will be parent to student. And so kind of from the perspective of our students and how they want to have relationships with you, your student. Um, And then peer to peer of just friendships and what that looks like. Um, really across the board in a lot of stages. And then I'm going to hit on social media and what those relationships look like today in such a digital age. So I'm going to pass it over to Christy. So y'all give it up for Christy, and she's going to share with us a little bit. Thanks, Grace. Like Grace said, I am the fourth and fifth grade director, and so I get the privilege to work with your your fourth and fifth grade students, your preteens, who are so much fun and a joy. Um, but before we dive into these three different topics on relationships relating to others, we kind of just wanted to start with the biblical basis of relationship, and mainly just starting at the point where we were created for a relationship. So as we dive in to these topics tonight, that's just where we wanted to lay the foundation is that the Lord in his sovereignty and his goodness, he created us for relationship. And so if we look at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2, as the Lord created the heavens and the earth, as he created the whole world, he created man. And I think it is on your hand out there, but you are all probably familiar with Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so right from the very beginning of scripture, we see that God created man to reflect his image, to have a relationship with God. So first of all, man was created to have that relationship with God. But not only that, we quickly learn that he was also created to have a relationship with others. So again, right at the very beginning, Genesis 2, 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So right there we learn that man is not intended to be alone not only is he intended to have a relationship with God he's intended to have a relationship with others and we quickly see after that the institution of marriage the institution of family and we know those are good things and Morgan's going to hit on on family relationships and relating to your students and then all throughout scripture we see that God desires to be known right We see God reveal himself and his good character to people. And I put on here Isaiah 9, 23 and 24, which we could have picked so many other verses. But this says, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Right there we see that the Lord desires that he is known. He wants himself to be known to us. He wants to reveal himself to us. And the Lord is so vastly different than us and has all these great attributes of his character that he reveals to us. But we talked about how man is created in the image of God. And in the image of God, we all have that innate desire to be known. Again, we are very different than God and don't have all that steadfast love and perfect attributes that we reveal always to others. But in the image of God, we have that innate desire to be known. So as we dive into these topics, we just wanted to start there. That relationships are good. That relationships with family members, with peers are good things. 
and we were created for them, and we have this desire to be known. And so Morgan's going to come up and talk about how your students want to be known by you, even when they seem like they don't. And so she has some just practical tips and suggestions for how your students can be known by you, how you can know your students. Thanks, Christy. Okay, so you see, um, you have a handout right there, so you can see a little bit about where we're going. But first, we're, I mean, like Christy said, we're talking about three different kinds of relationships with students. And so the first one we're going to hit on is the relationship between parents and students. And so this is kind of from a perspective of what we see as ministry leaders, as people in the church, what students say, hey, we need this from our parents, or we don't feel like, you know, we can talk to them or whatever that is. This is what this conversation stemmed from. Um, and so we just want to give, yeah, some practical tips some just things to think about, some good conversations to have. And so before we get started, I would love for y'all to talk to your table and talk about the differences in your generation versus your students' generation. And so that could be a, a really wide <laughs> variety of answers, um, but talk amongst your table of how do you see that play out and the differences in what they value, the differences in how they spend their time and all those things. So yeah, just talk to your table for just a second and we'll talk about that. <laughs> I heard back in our day. That's amazing.
right. What are some of those things that y'all came up with, if you don't mind sharing? What are some differences that you see? Anybody can really go. Yeah, technology. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that tonight, actually. Grace is, is going to hit on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so true, so true. It is all at our fingertips now. Yeah, yeah, that's good. You don't have to carry an encyclopedia with you. <laughs> yeah. What else do y'all see? Yeah, yeah, it is definitely against the grain, right, to influence him for Christ and in the right way and to have good friends and all those things. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you can sit in silence for a second. <laughs> yeah. If you, uh, it's funny, those of y'all who have volunteered at Beach Week or Camp Ocoee, it's a little bit different. Middle school camp is um, planned every second, and Beach Week is kind of like, all right, y'all can hang out, you know, but middle schoolers would not have that. <laughs> they would not have that. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Anything else? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. They definitely prefer digital over in person. At least that is how they come across, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Anybody have anything else? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a different level of caution. There's a different level of awareness maybe even to that. And so it is definitely a different time. And so that's why I wanted to talk about that just a little bit because I think whenever we're talking about relationships, whether that is parent to student or student to student or their relationship with social media and digitally their friends, it's important to know what generation they come from because much like the church I grew up in has influenced me, you know, or the the place that you've lived in has influenced you, it is a part of how we have become, right? A part of our identity, not in a way that defines us entirely, of course, because of our identity in Christ, but apart from that, has shaped our worldview, has shaped how we interact with other people. And so it's important to know and recognize, okay, if our students are a part of Gen Z, which is 1997 to I think 2012 is what it is. Um, if they are a part of Gen Z, there are trends that have affected them. There is technology that's affected them. The social culture is so different. And all of those things factor into what we are saying now. Okay, then how do we relate best to them? How do we best serve them? How do we best love them? And so that's where we're going a little bit tonight. Um, But you see on your um, outline, the first point there is Gen Z values relationships. And so your blank is they need interaction with you. And so y'all can fill that in as you please. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, we're talking about technology. We're talking about social media and all those things of like, they would rather just text or FaceTime or whatever. But if you get to the heart of our students, if you get to the heart of what they really value, they value relationships. They're going about it in a different way, but what they want is that same connection that everyone desires, right? Christy just talked about that. We were created for relationships. We were created for relationships. We were created to have connection with other people, and so what we are seeing here is that they're just going about it in a different way, and so um, 
doing a lot of research on Gen Z. Um, they are a generation that empathizes really well. I don't know if y'all have seen this in your students, um, but a lot of times when we're thinking about, okay, what does that mean for friendships, and are they safe here, and how do they interact with people that are different from them? What we see is that Gen Z, they are loving and accepting of everyone more than any other generation that was before them and so what that means is that they can empathize really really well but what that also means is that when they have a friend standing in front of them truth out the window because it doesn't it doesn't fit with what I see here with this friend that's standing right in front of me and so we see they value relationships so much that truth is sacrificed sometimes, that it gets muddy sometimes, that the lines are blurred because they say, well, this person is so important to me. And it's a really great thing, right? <laughs> like, it's a strength when we see it that way of, okay, they really value relationships and they want connection. But on the other side of the coin is, okay, then what does that sacrifice for them? How do they view that um, to be important? And so um, they need interaction. It's a huge strength on the surface, but it causes a lot of gray in the worldview. It causes a lot of gray in their relationship with the Lord. And so what they need, <laughs> based on what they value, if they value relationship, what they need is interaction. <laughs> and I know a lot of times, probably as parents, you're kind of like, okay, but they're always on FaceTime. They're always on their phone. Or like whenever I'm asking them questions, they literally are like, why are you asking so many questions, you know? And so how do we push past that? What does that look like? And I, I'm not here to tell you this cookie cutter answer of you do this trick and it'll work and you'll have a great relationship with your students. Obviously, I'm not even a parent. And so um, it doesn't look the same for every family. But what I will encourage you with is that they value relationship. They want to interact with you. And I think a lot of times they just don't know how. <laughs> a lot of times they don't know what that is. And so you see a lot of emphasis on hanging out with friends. I don't know if y'all have seen this, but I know Christy and Grace and I have talked about this some too. When I talk to students, if their friendships are in shambles, they're done. Like, they're like, my life is the worst. It can't get any worse than this. And I'm like, okay, okay, tell me about that a little bit, you know. But they're so extreme of like when their friends, when they have drama, when they have hurt with their friends, it's the end of the world. When their friendships are great, they're golden. They're on top of the world. You can't tell them anything, you know. <laughs> doesn't matter how their grades are going. doesn't matter about anything. If their friendships are good, they are good. <laughs> and so we see that, too, in just the way they value relationships. And I think, um, well, I think, I read um, that it is the most lonely generation. And so we see they value connection. They value relationship. They want that. They're trying to get it digitally, and it's not working. <laughs> they're trying to get it from their friendships but it's not working because there's so much emphasis on that. There's so much emphasis on creating something that, that they can't get from that. And obviously we know it comes from the Lord first and foremost. Um, but this is a generation that is perpetually lonely. Um, so pushing past the surface is so important. It's so important to not just be like, how was your day? Good. Okay, cool. Good talk, you know. Um, but to really push past that and say, okay, what's going on? Like, tell me about your friend drama, you know, like all of that stuff. I know you probably uh, don't want to hear all about that all the time, <laughs> but um, yeah, and so I was um, reading a book recently, and um, it talked about just, well, for this, and it talked about the importance of a parent-to-student connection, and it talked about how teenagers, I didn't actually know this, I was telling my mom about it the other day, um, how teenagers avoid pain. At all costs, they will avoid pain. They will avoid sadness, they'll avoid loneliness, which is why they're on their phone all the time, all those things, they want to be connected. So at all costs, they'll avoid that. 
And so what that means for a parent-to-student relationship is um, the book called it a broken heart connection. <laughs> might sound a little cheesy to you, um, but kind of just what they were saying is if they feel hurt by someone, it's kind of like, okay, walls up, like you can't talk to me. You know, like not necessarily in that attitude. But a lot of times when they have a broken heart connection is what they called it with the parent, they shut off all kinds of, okay, the, the wisdom that they need from you, the connection that they desire from you is not worth, I might be hurt again. And so that can look like a variety of different ways of maybe they didn't feel heard by you or maybe whatever. And um, it, it's a perceived thing, right? It is a perceived thing because obviously you don't desire to hurt your children in any way. Um, but I thought that was really interesting because they – in the face of what all they could gain from you, they choose to not because of that broken heart connection. And so there's so many things that we could talk about with that. Um, but how do we move past that? Like, how do we move past the, okay, if they want connection with us, if they want interaction, but they're not talking to me, what do we do? And um, I said the first thing already is just, it's important to go past the surface, to ask them good questions. Um, and I think Jay talked about this last week too, of just asking the speculative questions, you know, asking the things in that sense of like, okay, what are they getting into? But I think along those lines too, of just knowing what questions to ask <laughs> of like, okay, well, tell me why you feel that way. Or how did this affect you in this way? Um, and so we'll talk about that in just a second. But yeah, to push past that. And the gift of attention is one of the greatest things that you can give your students. <laughs> the gift of attention is so, so important to them. Okay, perfect. Um, and keep doing things together. Keep trying. It is so important. And so just be encouraged in that. They want that interaction with you. They want that connection. And so just keep trying. Just keep trying. Okay, perfect. Number two is they value authenticity. And so what that means is they need um, they need <laughs> you to be real with them. And so whatever word you pick there, I didn't match it with my outline, so sorry about that. <laughs> um, but they need you to be real. They value authenticity. And so it's this generation, um, y'all probably know this even more than I do, but it is not a generation that automatically subscribes to the institutions and say, oh, well, if someone says you have authority, okay, cool, like, yeah, okay, we'll roll with it. They are not a generation that does that, right? <laughs> y'all probably know this. <laughs> um, and so what they view as, or I guess just someone says, oh, they have authority, that's not just good enough for them, right, <laughs> to be able to listen to you and to know the why. And so, um, they challenge and they push the boundaries and they want to know more and they want to question everything. <laughs> and um, we're, we're exploring that a little bit at the mix. And so um, we love having your children though on Wednesday nights, don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, but that is a, a thing that we've seen is just they're challenging and they're saying, hey, well, why? Like, that doesn't make sense to me, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, but they really value authenticity. And um, I always tell the story about my mom. I don't know why, but I didn't ask her if I could tell you this, but I think it's fine. Um, she, one of, the, one of the most impactful things um, when I was growing up is that whenever my mom um, would raise her voice or whenever she would be convicted about anything, she would come to me and she would apologize. And um, I think that that really showed me, like, okay, like, I'm – she's my mom, but at the same time, like, she's real, and, like, she's human, and she can come to me and be wrong, and I'm not always the one that's wrong, like, I'm not always the one that's, you know, like, well, you're the, you're the child, so, you know, like, 
parent Trump's child in that way, you know, and obviously you have so much authority and the Lord's given you that, but that is one of my favorite things that my mom did, and I think I've, I've carried with me into adulthood. It's like, man, that humility that she displayed, and so I think, obviously, that doesn't look the same for everyone, but they value authenticity, and so for me, that's what it looked like with my mom that I so appreciate and so value, and I want to I want to just exemplify as a parent one day. So um, anyway, another thing with that is that hypocrisy or perceived hypocrisy is the worst thing. It is the worst thing to them. And so I say perceived hypocrisy because oftentimes it is not the goal to be a hypocrite, (laughs) right? Um, And so I was just talking to a parent the other day, and she said um, just that her child was saying things about, you know, whatever. And she's like, I don't understand. Like, what do you mean? And so... Perceived hypocrisy is the worst thing. That is the easiest way to lose trust. That's the easiest way to lose respect. They are shut down. They're like, okay, I can't listen to you because what you say doesn't match up with what you do. And so I think that's really important as we look to how do we have a biblical worldview? What does that look like to flesh that out and to ask questions and all those things which we'll get to? Um, But that is the easiest way to lose trust and respect. And so be real with them. (laughs) This can mean good conversation. This can mean you just being like, hey, like, you know, let's talk about this because I've struggled with doubt in my life or whatever that looks like. And so, again, there's not a formula, but my encouragement um, is that you would just let them see that you are human, <laughs> that you would let them see that you are their parent, yes, and you have authority and the Lord has given you that, but also that, like, you can be there with them in the moment. You can meet them where they are, and you've been there before. Um, I read a quote the other day that said, um, it is foolish for a man to think they can lead someone out of a desert where they've never been. And so, um, just my encouragement to you, (laughs) they value authenticity, and so they need us to be real with them. Um, I think also going along with that, it's teaching them how to read the Bible, to sit down and say, okay, what does it look like to lead a godly life? What does it look like to do these things? Um, And so, anyway, um, my third point is that Gen Z values fact and reason. And so because of that, they need a safe space with you. That is your blank in your outline. They need a safe space with you. And so, um, going along with that, uh, they challenge the institutions. They challenge all those things. They need to know the why behind why you do what you do, behind why the rules are the way that they are, (laughs) and all those things. And so, students will doubt. They need a safe space to be able to say, hey, I'm I don't know about this whole God thing. Like, what do you mean, (laughs) you know? And I think a lot of times when we're talking to students, they don't feel like they can be that. And it's not only with parents, it's with us, it's with their friends, it's with their whole community, all the relationships that they are a part of. A lot of them, I would say even the majority of them, don't feel like they have a safe space to be able to process those things and to be able to talk through all of that. And so they'll doubt, they'll have questions, they'll get caught up in drama and mess with their friends and all of those things. And I, you know, I'm about 10 years removed now from their age, um, but I remember being in that, and I remember it being such a big deal, you know, and so I think it's, as I get older, it's harder and harder to remember those moments, though, you know, Um, but it is so big to them, and it is so real, and so I would encourage you that it is very real to them, it is very big to them, and so what they need is a safe space to come, and obviously, the goal of a parent is to not be the best friend, and not be the one that they, you know, feel like they can just do anything, and you're going to be like, cool, I'm a safe space, you can tell me what's up, you know, but like to to balance that tension, you know, to hold that tension of what does it look like to be a parent, but also to be a safe space for them to be able to process those things, 
um, so they're not going to their middle school friends and processing all those things, you know, and they will, and they will, but um, apart from that, we want to be that for them too. And so those things are okay. If they want to grow, if you want them to grow in their faith, um, that isn't a generation that withstands the culture and the social changes, they need to know the answers to those questions. <laughs> and so um, I have this uh, quote here that says, in short, teenagers need a grown-up worldview, not a coloring book, Jesus. And so I think it's really important. I think, I think sometimes even I treat them like, well, you just need the basics, you know, and they do, they do need it, but they have questions that are far beyond the basics. They have questions that I don't even know the answers to, and so I think it's important to just get in there, to process with them, to be a safe space for them, to be able to process those things and say, hey, it's okay if you doubt. Let's talk about that, um, and so anyway, um, I think going along with that, my last, my last thing with that, just a practical tip is to be unshockable. Um, that's on your outline too. Um, but I think a lot of times why students don't feel like they can talk to people is because when they say, my friend is struggling with LGBTQ, we're going, what do you mean? Who is it? I, I need to call their mom, you know? And so they don't feel like they can open up. They don't feel like they can talk because they're like, oh my gosh, something's going to happen. You know, like I broke confidentiality and it's, it's this major freak out, right? <laughs> and so my encouragement to you would be to be unshockable. They are, are living in a time where they are exposed to a ton, a ton, a ton of different things. Um, it is the first generation that's considered post-Christian. And so they are not subscribing to all the things that generations before them have. Um, and I think in a lot of ways that's a good thing. It's, it's causing them to really think about their faith in another side of it. Um, it's causing them to dip a little bit into the world. And so be unshockable in that. Listen well. Ask good questions. Y'all are awesome parents. I just know it. And so you're doing the right thing. Be encouraged in that. Um, there's obviously, again, there's not a formula. There's not a set way to do it. But that is just our encouragement to you is they value all these things and so much more. But they need these things from you. And so um, I think Christy is going to come up and um, kind of teach us a little bit about their relationships, their peer relationships. So. All right, so moving on to kind of peer-to-peer relationships, so much could be said about peers relating to peers, but of course tonight we're kind of doing a 30,000-foot view of a lot of these topics, and so something that has become very near and dear to my heart over the last few years is the topic of friendship, and as I have talked with fourth and fifth graders, their parents, as I, I used to teach a high school life group and still disciple some of the high school students, as I've talked with college students, just a topic that comes up over and over and over again is friendship. And friendship is, of course, a gift from the Lord. As we talked about with parenting, as we talked about at the beginning, we're created for a relationship. We're created to be known. And having friends is such a gift from the Lord. You can see a couple of verses that I included there on the outline. Proverbs 18, 24, that one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That there is Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. There are so many joys of having friends that are close to us, but... As we all know, friendship can be really hard. There can be lots of challenges and there can be lots of difficulties. And what I see a lot of times with our fourth and fifth grade students is 
they're stepping into some challenges in friendship for maybe the first time. Like when they were younger, a lot of times friendship is kind of by proximity. Like maybe your mom set up play dates or you're just friends with the people that are in your class and it doesn't really matter why, but you're just friends. And then as you get older, friendships start changing and cliques start forming and maybe your friends that were friends before are no longer friends and you're confused. And that that's hard and that hurts. And maybe as you get older, there are seasons of loneliness or, again, seasons just change. And so regardless of age, I'm finding that as a newly married person, friendships change. (laughs) Like my season of life is no longer going home and living with roommates, and I just naturally do life with all these girls. Now I go home and to my husband, which is the greatest, but I'm like, how do I do life with girls now? (laughs) Like it's just all these different seasons where you're trying to figure out how to navigate friendship. And a lot of our students are navigating some some tough friendship difficulties. And so I have two pieces of advice, and I'm just going to be honest with you. Neither of them are original to me, but they are the best pieces of advice that I personally have ever received about friendship and something that I still use to filter friendship for myself, but also just as I'm talking with parents, as I'm talking with students, two things that have been really, really helpful to me. So the first one, and this is the quote that you'll see under relating to others, is that people come into our lives for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Celebrate each person and each purpose. So people come into our lives for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And I don't know who originally said this. I'm sorry about that. You might know. But I originally heard this from a professor in college. And the program that I was in in college, um, I studied missions. And so me and the rest of my classmates, when we were juniors in college, we all spent a semester overseas serving with a missions organization. And every week we would get an email from one of our professors that was kind of meant to, to encourage us, to give us a little devotional. And as our time overseas was wrapping up, and we were all scattered throughout the world, we were in Asia, Europe, Africa, everywhere, we got this email from a professor saying that friendships are for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And as we wrapped up our time overseas to kind of think through the friendships that we had made on the field and think through, was that a friend for a reason or a season? And maybe it's not practical to keep up with them anymore after the season ends? Or are they a lifetime friend and we're going to keep up? And if you've ever been on a short-term mission trip or any kind of mission trip, you probably know that you grow really close to people over a week or a month or however long you are overseas and you want to keep up with them and it's a sweet relationship, but then maybe when you come back home and life starts to happen, you realize it isn't really realistic to keep up with that person. And so getting this piece of advice, I served overseas in the jungle in Papua New Guinea in a tribe where no one had phone or access to the internet. The mail system was not hardly a thing at all. And so there was no way for me to keep up with these dear friends that I had made over five months. And so receiving this piece of advice was so freeing for me to be able to process my friendships that I had made, and to think, are they a reason friend? Are they a season friend? And can I celebrate and say good goodbye to this person that was in my life for a reason, a season? Or is this a lifetime friend, and I'm going to fight for that? And so anyways, to kind of break that down, people come into our life sometimes for a reason. That's a specific reason. Maybe we've prayed for something. Maybe you have prayed for something for your child, a specific reason, and the Lord puts that person into your life for a reason, your child's life for a reason. Maybe it's a reason like you've started a club together or there's just a specific purpose for your friendship. They've come into your life for a reason, and maybe that friendship kind of naturally fades away 
And that's okay, and that's realistic. The girls that I disciple, they're 12th graders. They're getting ready to go to college, and they are wanting to keep up with everyone from high school. And so we talked about this recently, that that's just not realistic. Those were good friends, and they were there for a reason. And you could say a good goodbye to them. You can celebrate them, and it's okay that they were in your life for a reason. That's very similar to friends that are in your life for a season. Again, you can probably all think of a friendship that was in your life for a season, and maybe it was a really good season. But again, maybe that friendship kind of naturally ends. Sometimes that's not really an issue. Sometimes it was like, okay, that friend was in your class during fourth grade, but they're not in fifth grade, and so your friendship naturally fades away. That's okay. Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes that is like this person was a really good friend to me and all of a sudden they're not a good friend anymore and I don't know what to do. And sometimes the best advice that we can give to our students is maybe that friend was there for a season. Maybe that was a seasonal friendship. Your lives overlapped and now for whatever reason, they're not. That doesn't make it any easier sometimes, but that is a good thing to think through. That's a good thing I know for myself to think through. Of this friend was there for a season. Our lives overlapped for a season. It was a sweet season, and we can celebrate that. But we can also move on because maybe our lives don't overlap in the same way anymore, and that's okay. And then there are lifetime friends. And I think the lifetime friends is a great thing to think through and a great thing to help your students process as they're facing drama, as they're facing challenges, is, is this a lifetime friend? This person that you're maybe walking through challenges or drama or trying to navigate a friendship difficulty with, is this someone that one day you'll want to stand by your side on your wedding day or be a godmother or godfather to your baby or that kind of thing? Is this someone that is worth fighting for? Is this someone that has been with you for a long time and you want to be in your life for a long time? And if so, then it is willing or you have to fight for it. I know a lot of my high schoolers that I talk with, they are maybe navigating through some drama or they're realizing that their friendships have changed and they're thinking through, do I fight for this? Do I kind of just let it go? Like Morgan said, sometimes they can be very like black and white of everything is the worst. <laughs> like, how are we going to get over this? But if they're a lifetime friend, then no matter how hard it is, you stick with it and you fight for that. And I think of that in my life, seasons where I've had maybe a best friend that we for a while were that iron sharpening iron friendship. Everything was great. And then for whatever reason, maybe our seasons changed and it's hard to keep up or just something happened. And it's hard, right? It's hard when your friendships change or some drama happens or something like that. But knowing that it's a lifetime friend, you're willing to stick out a tough season or you're willing to, to continue to initiate and to fight for that relationship. So as your students are walking through either a lonely season or they're walking through, this friend hurt my feelings or this friend doesn't really want to be friends with me, use that tool to think through, is this a reason friend? Is this a season friend or is this a lifetime friend? If it's a reason or a season, maybe it's okay to celebrate that season and move on. Or is this a lifetime friend who I'm going to dig in and fight for? The other piece of advice, again, it is not my own. But I continuously use this with, again, a lot of students. I have heard Ms. Donna say over and over to high school students that 
when her girls were growing up, they all did pageants. And maybe none of your kids do beauty pageants. But for her, whenever they would go in to the pageant, she would encourage them to be on mission, to take the eyes off of themselves and what they were about to do and to go in and to look. Who needed help with their hair? Who didn't need help with their makeup? Who needed help rehearsing their lines ahead of time, their speech ahead of time? to take the eyes off of themselves and to put it on other people. And so as your students are walking through, again, maybe a lonely season where they're hoping to make new friends or where they're in a new school, they've walked through a transition, encourage them to look for the people that are lonely. Look for the people that need help. As you walk in to your soccer team or your classroom or the lunchroom, look for the people who need help or who need a friend, and be a good friend to them. Help them think through what qualities make a good friend and help them to be that person that is a good friend, that is trustworthy, that speaks truth, that is respectful. Help them to be that person that takes the initiative and looks for people. Because it can be really easy to have the eyes on yourself when you're walking through friendship difficulties and think, this is the worst, this is awful, everyone hates me, no one wants to be friends with me. But when you encourage your students to take the eyes off of themselves and to put them on others, then some beautiful friendships can be created. All that to say, friendship is hard, but like Morgan said, it is worth sticking with your students and helping them navigate friendship challenges or transitions and that it's a part of life. That is a part of life that friendships will will be there and they will transition and it is so worth it to walk through um, friendship challenges, friendship difficulties, and walk through life with people. And so kind of on the topic of friends and peers, Grace is going to finish us off by talking about students and how they relate with others on social media. Thanks, Christy. That's so good. Um, yeah, so as we've discussed um, relationships in, turns, in terms of peer-to-peer and student-to-parent, um, there's another big source of relationships, and that is on social media. And so I know for some of you, you may not have students that are there yet, but you can always prepare well um, because we are in a digital world, and that world is not going away. And so a few things with social media is technology has transformed our communication. I don't have to tell you that. Um, It's changed our brains in a lot of ways. And so for Gen Z and millennials, right, technology has always been a part of life, right? We didn't have to learn it. It's just there. And so with that, um, there's a technology generational gap in a way. And so for teens, right, or for students, when they were younger, right, they knew a screen probably from the age of when they were born to two going forward. And so for them, right, when their neurons were being developed, there's a screen there. You probably were raised differently as a kid. And so how you behave looks differently versus children today right? You had different childhoods. And so when a tablet is handed to a kid at the age of two, right, because we just need them to be quiet, or it's a hard moment, or it's a prize or something, they're being, in a way, nurtured by that screen versus a parent. And so from a very young age, they have an attachment to that screen. And so for an older generation, 
right? You are raised with technology. For a younger generation, a lot of times they're raised by technology. And so starting kind of with that foundation, thinking about technology, it's like breathing 14. It's a part of their everyday life. And so it's in a way their security blanket. And so if they have a phone, they don't they don't just leave not their house with it. They don't leave the room with it. They don't get off of their bed without their phone. For them, it really is. It's an extension of their arm. And so starting with that base, that is how if they have a phone, a lot of times that's how they see their phone. Um, it's a huge part of their life. And so with connectivity, um, it's kind of taken on a new meaning in this digital age. Right? We, right, we are constantly uploading and downloading and storing information into a cloud, right? We do that with our photos, with everything. Like, we are constantly in this world of connecting. And for teens, um, one of the stats are 87% of American teens own an iPhone. 87%. Um, and 88%, they expect their next iPhone to be a better iPhone. Um, and so I just want to take a, really a few moments <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, there is so much we could talk about screens and teens, and that is a whole different talk. There's so much we could talk about that. Um, but really, why and how social media is vital, or why they think it's vital for relationships on social media. And so really looking at that, of how vital relationships are for teens on social media. And so they value... Young people, they value relationships through connection. Not necessarily friendship or people, but connection. They may not be real-life friends with the person on the other side of the screen. Um, it may be a friend of a friend. It may be a celebrity. But they're in the know. They are connected to that person. And I was talking with um, Steve Spence earlier, a high school pastor. He was like, hey, growing up, like, I watched The Cosby Show. You may or may not be a fan, but he was like, I watched The Cosby Show. And it was one time a week we sat down, and he's like, I was connected with that person, right? If you ever watched, you know, a show, you're connected. But think about for our teens. They are connected oftentimes 24-7 with a whole lot of different people. And they are connected with their lives, and they want to be in the know with those people. And so it's not necessarily about a friendship with that person. It's about being connected. And for teens, a lot of times they use social media um, for four main reasons. What I've seen is to express themselves, to find their voice, to find validation, and to be connected to others. Um, last night I was watching the Grizzlies game, Go Grizz! And um, after the game ended, Ja Morant um, he was on an interview, and at the end of it, it was kind of, they were kind of asking about it, and he was like, how do you feel about the win? He was like, did you see my post? And earlier that day, he had an Instagram post, and it was a picture of himself, and then it had two pictures with it, and the second one was a meme of Michael Jordan. And it, it had a deeper meaning to it of basically um, – a real man trash talks when you're winning and when you're losing, not just with you're winning. Like, he had a deeper meaning to that meme. But he was expressing himself, right? It was, did you see how I felt? And that was all through social media. And so for our teens, they want to see that. They want to know what these people are feeling. And so with that, why are teens so attracted to social media? And I saw a few different things. Yes, 
You're fine. Yes, you got it. <laughs> Sorry, going fast. Um, to express themselves, find their voices, find validation, and be connected to others. And so some of the things that teens are attracted to, teens' developmental needs match well with what social media has to offer. Developing friendships, figuring out their identities in a good or bad way, establishing social status by being in the know. And so maintaining friendships is reported as one of the most common reasons for using social media. As teens grow today, they view social media as a place to hang out and be connected with their friends. And so it's, it's kind of that base of, hey, I not necessarily am going there to learn, yes, to learn things, but it's, hey, I want to post. I want to see what my friends are doing. I want to look at all the Instagram stories. And we're there, too, right? They want to be on Snapchat constantly talking to people, and that's their source of being in the know with people, learning about celebrities, learning all these different things. Um, I recently surveyed about 50 of our high school students here, just because those are a lot of your kids, for y'all to know, what are my kids dealing with? And so I um, asked them a bunch of different questions. It was anonymous. And out of, the 40, out, out of the 50, 45 of them had social media. And some of the main ones were Instagram, Visco, Snapchat, and TikTok. And so I asked them, one of the questions was how much time they spent a day. And 36% um, of them said they spent one to two hours a day. 43% spent three to four hours a day. And then 13 spent six to eight hours a day. And that wasn't just on their phones, but specifically on social media. And the stats these days are non-school-related screens, pre-pandemic, the average was 3.8 hours a day on a screen. Post-pandemic is nine hours a day. And that, about two to three hours of that is specifically on social media. And so seeing that, this is not a, a bash social media talk, I promise, but of seeing how much time is spent on social media. And so I asked him another question. I said, why do you post? And the number one answer was to show all my friends what I'm doing. So that was important to them. And number two, to make myself happy and be validated. The second question I asked him is, what emotions do you feel while you're scrolling through social media? Number one, of course, was comparison. Number two was joy, but only for a moment. Number three was FOMO, fear of missing out. And number four was discon discontent. And so as them talking through all that different things, asked a few more questions of, okay, why, like, why is it a positive thing? Like, and they listed a lot of different things of why it's positive, but at the same time, hey, here are the emotions that I'm feeling. Over 60% of them admitted that they were addicted to social media, and 75% of them said that their parents have never talked to them about social media intake or limits. And so those are our kids here at Bellevue. Not all of them, but about 50 of them. And so one, um, one quote from one of them, from one of the answers said, social media is something I use to see what my friends are doing, to be in the know, to show everyone what I am doing, any new updates in my life. It's how I maintain friendships 
in connection with the world. And so with that saying, a lot of it comes back to, I want to be in the know, I want to be connected. I want to be in the know, I want to be connected. And that is their brain with social media. Um, age requirements for social media. Does anyone know? Across the board, what is the age requirement? <laughs> no, I think I heard it. 13. So there is an age requirement of 13 for all social media sites. Can they get on there before then? Yes. I was definitely 12 and got a Facebook, and I'm going to be honest, I lied about my age. <laughs> out there. Right? You can, it's very easy to do it, um, to get on there before, but even social media sites say 13 is an age requirement. And so social media is not bad. Social media is here to stay. And so I want to encourage us to see it can be good, good to know things about our friends, right? That's what they desire. But teaching students how to use it and how to use it well with limits. Um, Instagram stories, that's a main source um, for students, right? They want to post things. It's a very quick, funny moment, encouragement, a funny video, something to be in the know, and it expires after 24 days. And that's one thing they like because it doesn't have to be this perfect picture that stays on their page. Snapchat, it's all about the what? The streaks, right? They want to constantly talk to someone, um, and the more hearts they get, the better. But it's just something quick that deletes, at least they think, if it's not screenshotted. And so they can chat with people on there. They're constantly connected with other people. Um, and then Visco is another new one, which is more so about, it was kind of editing pictures, but a lot of it now is on um, kind of just social media, another way to post pictures for the day. And so that's a very broad stroke of a lot of things um, for students. But I want to just encourage you with a couple of things of how to help your student. First, I would say if your student doesn't have a phone yet, or if they do have a phone but they don't have social media yet, is have conversation with them, right? Don't wait until that, that moment of, hey, here's a phone, and let them figure it out on their own. Have a conversation with them about good phone usage, about what is on social media, being able to talk to them about it. If they don't get social media until they're 18, they may get that on their own. And so being able to have that conversation with them. Um, one quote, this is from Washington Post, so not you know, a um, Christian post, but their, one of their advice, which I think was accurate, is ask your child who they're following, how they feel when they're online, and to walk through how to use it. Kids are happier to do this than you might expect because they don't often get asked that question by an adult in a non-judgmental way. And so asking in that way, and um, I had three, three questions there of how to have conversations with your teens if they already have social media. What they post, ask them what they post and why they post. Ask them what are they learning from their favorite people they follow and what new relationships do they have from social media. So what they post and why they post, what are they learning from their favorite people they follow and what new relationships do they have from social media? And I think with those three questions, you're able to engage a little bit deeper than, hey, why are you on your phone so much? Hey, set your phone down. For them, taking their phone away, not that you or as a parent have every right to do that, <laughs> or taking social media away, it's a much bigger deal to them if they're constantly on there. Because for them, 
it's a halting stop on their life if that's what they're doing all day. Um, it's for some of them, their support, their relationship, it's their status and their identity. And so asking those questions, if they're already engaged in it, help them say, hey, my mom's not just telling me, take my phone away, you're on it too much, but engaging on what are these things that I'm learning and I'm intaking constantly. And if your phone, you're, maybe your teenager or middle schooler doesn't have a phone, also realizing they see a lot of stuff on other people's phones. And so asking those questions, too, is important to say, hey, what are thing, things that you've seen on other people's phones? And so those are some big things. Um, there's a lot more that we could say with um, social media, but those are just some of the reasons why teenagers want to be connected to um, social media. Um, I have just a couple of little keys that I was thinking through and as I was reading, and um, the number one, I think it's on your paper, it says myth. Um, your kid's first phone doesn't have to be a smartphone. They do have other phones out there that are not an iPhone. Um, they may tell you that they don't, but they do. So that definitely is a myth. Um, I would encourage you to give them small freedoms. You make the rules with the phone a little bit at a time. Um, know the apps and the platforms your kids are on. If they have it, I would encourage you to have it. Know what's going on. Create digital free zones. Um, if that is, okay, at the dinner table, all the phones in the middle, um, I would encourage you not to let them take their phone to bed with them or in their bedroom. Um, one good quote I saw was, um, you wake up before your device does and it goes to bed before you do. And letting that be a rule to live by. Um, and so those were kind of just a few tips that I had on phones and social media. So like I said, I know that is a very broad stroke. Um, but we wanted to be able to open it up for our last kind of 20 minutes for a Q&A time. And Christy and Morgan are going to come up here. So really any type of question that we hit on tonight, or if you have other questions, go for it. Um, I know we talked about relationships in a lot of different facets. So go for it. There also are some discussion questions if you want to ask one of those, if you need help asking a question. How old is your kid? 13. Yeah, so she asked, what do you do with your kids who bring their phone to church? Morgan, do you want to answer that with middle school? <laughs> uh, it is a struggle. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, yes, so what do you do <laughs> when they are away from you? Um, how do you monitor that? Specifically, Bellevue, saying it for the recording, so sorry, repeated it back to y'all. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, that's a struggle. What we see a lot at the mix, and probably right now up there, is um, they're just you know, during the whole sermon. And so what we do is we have adults in the room and we try to regulate as much as we can. Um, before, there's not really anything, <laughs> um, but during the service, yeah, we do try to kind of regulate that. Um, it, a part of that would be keeping them away from settings where they can be like in a corner together or things like that. That's like, okay, someone can show them something or whatever that is. So that's part of it. We try to regulate as best as we can, but that's a great question. 
And I would just say with that, if we can't fully regulate that, and um, that's hard on our side, and so it, it does come down to, I think, having that conversation with your students of, hey, here's things you may encounter, and realizing that could be even at church, too. Good question. Yeah, well, that's that's you, Grace. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, w- I will briefly say that of what do you tell parents who need limits as well? Um, set the example is what I would say. Of your kids follow ten times more of what you do. And so being able to set the example of how do you do relationships well on social media how much do you post? How much is too much to post? And also, how much time do you spend on it at home? If they see mom and dad sit down constantly scrolling, then they say, okay, this is what we do at home. And so I just say, set that example.
a good word. <laughs> it is. I think all those things definitely are seen through the roof of post-pandemic post of how much time was spent of, okay, now the, the anxiousness and the depression is growing for sure. Um, and so being able to set those limits early are always better. Yes, ma'am. For sure. No, that's a, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, definitely hear that feedback, Jesse, for sure. And that is a great of, okay, how does the church, if we have social media, and some students don't, and what does that look like, for sure? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and that, and that, yeah, for sure, on our side, being able to do a better job, send out, send out earlier a bulletin, a netbook, all those things. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure, and I, th I think I think it's both in that way of being able to communicate well while still reaching both. For yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yes, for sure. Thank you for the feedback. Yes, ma'am.
that's a great resource for sure. That's a good question. say I'll just be honest I have not personally um, dealt with that scenario in itself Did Thank you, Angela. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a very good word. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Angela. It's a good word. Um, I wanted back there just to address it. What's your name? Yep. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> hey, um, just only thing that came to mind was I think being able to talk to your, you know, when he is 
or she is in your presence of, hey, I want to equip you the best I can of here is things to look out for, not being able to fully control the other side, but prep them as best as you can on your side of things to look out for and kind of the heart behind a phone. So that's the why. Yeah. We'll take one more question and then, And that's a good word. And also for all of you as parents, like there is grace and this is a learning curve for everyone. And so there is grace. And on that note, just a couple like tips for limiting your students access to what they can see. One thing that I've seen a parent do with a high school son that I think is brilliant is he has Instagram, but only on her phone. He doesn't have it on his phone. He doesn't have YouTube on his phone. He can access it, but only on her phone. So that's a great tip. Also, I know that a lot of you have fourth and fifth graders or younger students. A lot of you raise your hands for that. Uh, something that I've seen a mom do in our ministry, she has a fifth grade son. He's not on, he doesn't have a phone. It doesn't work, but she's given him an iPod touch so that he can learn to use a camera and video and all these different apps. And they can have conversations in a safe environment where it doesn't actually access the internet or he doesn't have access to text or that kind of thing. And so they can walk through all of those things together. So limiting is a great thing. I think we'll take one more question and then we know it is getting late. So you probably had to pick up your students. Um, but Jamie, did you have a question?
Yeah, great suggestions. Well, we know it is 7.45, and so most of your students are wrapping up. We actually do have two more books that we tried to give away last week, but I think that whoever won them last week had already had them. So we have two more books. So Morgan, if you want to pull one. Brian Schultz. Well, Miss Ellie will give you one. We have Raising Boys and Raising Girls, so you can take your pick. And then the last one, Beth, um, I don't know how to say this. Guillotine, and I see that your favorite child is Ellie. Ellie is her only child, so... <laughs> bringing up girls perfect well thank you all so much for coming tonight we really do appreciate it next week rick jones is coming and he's speaking on apologetics so it will be a great night so same time same place next week if you have any other questions grace morgan and i will hang out here for a while thank you for all the suggestions and for your time tonight hope you all have a great night